Welcome to Pep Talk and Pickleball, the podcast that's here to uplift and empower midlife women on their journey towards a healthier, happier, and more confident second half of life. I'm your host, Jill Lewis, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this exciting adventure. If you are a midlife woman looking for that extra boost of positivity and guidance as you navigate the world of health, nutrition, fitness, and the unique experiences of the emptiness phase, you're in the right place. This podcast is your dedicated source for uplifting pep talks that will reignite your spark and help you embrace the incredible opportunities that life's second act has to offer. And here's the twist. I'm not just here for life advice. I'm also about having a blast on the court. If you're like me and have fallen head over heels for the sport of pickleball, you're going to love how I weave my passion for the game into almost every episode. Sometimes it's just you and me diving into insightful discussions on topics that matter the most to you. Other times we're joined by amazing guests, experts, enthusiasts, and thought leaders who share their wisdom, experiences, and strategies to help you supercharge this chapter of your life. Now let's grab our paddles, embrace the journey, and let the pep talks roll. Well, welcome back to Pep Talk and Pickleball. This is your host, Jill Lewis. And in today's pep talk, I've got a lot to cover a lot of different topics. And one of the first ones I wanted to start out with was empty nest life and watching television. So my husband and I, we have never been a couple that watches a lot of TV together. My husband isn't, honestly, he's just not a big television watcher. He never has been. There's really never been a lot of TV series that he's been into. He loves to watch sports and he watches the news. That's pretty much anytime he has a TV on, it's one of those things. So he loves to watch hockey. He likes watching basketball. We don't really have an NFL team, so he doesn't get into that as much, but he loves to watch his Illini play and he really does love college basketball. He likes college football and he watches golf and he watches his Cardinals play baseball and the blues play hockey. That's pretty much what he enjoys. And I don't necessarily love watching sports on TV. I like watching college football and basketball, but for me to sit and watch a whole baseball game or a whole golf tournament or something like that, I have a hard time sitting through it. So I will say this, I cannot stand watching the news. I like to read the news. I like getting online, reading news, um, I do not like watching it on TV. So so we differ in what we like to watch. And also, this is a little fun fact about me. I'm a little embarrassed about it, but I really like reality shows that are just super trashy TV. Like the mindless TV is the kind of TV that I like. <laughs> so like the Housewives, yes, I'm a Bravo person. I like the Housewives. I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing that I do, but can't help it. That's just what I like. So obviously my husband's not into that. So since the kids are now all gone and we really didn't have a lot of time to watch TV before, and this is something else about us that I think is unique for us, is that we have never watched TV while in bed. In fact, I don't know when the last time we've had our, we have a TV that's kind of closed into an armoire in our bedroom, but we never use it. And it's a really old TV. We just don't watch TV in bed. If we go to bed, it's literally like lights are out. I know some people like to go to sleep with the background noise. I can't do that at all. We've just never been that couple that watches TV in bed. So we watch TV out in the living room. And then, um, it, you know, if we do. So because now the kids aren't home, we don't have activities at night. We have started, since our daughter's gone to college, we have started watching TV together. And I have to say, we we really like it. It's just kind of funny how we'll decide now with all the different streaming shows, just to decide what to watch. Oh, I forgot something earlier. One thing I do like watching is like the Game of Thrones kind of stuff. I was major into that. And that is not my husband's jam whatsoever. So we definitely had like these... Uh, periods of time where we just were not on the same page with shows whatsoever. But we have kind of found our groove when, when it comes to what to watch together. And it basically revolves around docuseries. Like we really like watching documentaries or a docuseries. And so today I thought, you know what, I'm going to share with you 
some documentaries or docu-series that you can watch with your spouse. So these are ones that your husband will enjoy watching with you. So if you were like my husband and I, it kind of takes you a while to find something to watch together. Now this is not you know, going to be a huge list by any means. This is just coming from a couple that are now empty nesters and we have tried to find some things that we both enjoy. So a lot of these revolve around sports. And um, so if you're not a sports lover, I still think you're going to enjoy these. If your husband watches sports, he for sure will like these. And the, But these are ones that both of us have enjoyed. So I'm going to start with the Redeem Team. So the Redeem Team is a documentary that is all about the USA basketball team that played in 2008. And they were called the Redeem Team because in the prior years had been losing. So I think it was back in the 90s, they were called the Dream Team. And then they lost in 2004 uh, Olympics. They got bronze. There was another world championship in 2006 that I think they also got bronze. So it was really disappointing time for the United States basketball um, on the, you know, in the world circuit, I should say. So the 2008 Redeem Team, um, it's a fun story to watch and just to get the whole background of it all. So that's the first one, the Redeem Team. I think you'll like that. By the way, these are all on Netflix, okay? So maybe another time I'll do a different streaming one. But for now, these are just all, just make it easy for you. These are all found on Netflix. The next one is one that we watched um, last spring, I think. And it was Quarterback. So Quarterback is a show, it's a docu-series. I think there's eight to ten episodes. And it is produced by Peyton Manning and some other folks, but it follows three NFL quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota, or Mariota. And he, well, I'm not going to give anything away. Okay. But quarterback is awesome. I loved this show. We both did. Um, I am not an NFL watcher. I, if it's on, or if there's a party or something like that, like, sure, I'll look at it a little bit. I get into the Super Bowl like everybody else, but where I live, we don't have an NFL team. So I think that's why. So, and my husband doesn't, you know, have really have an NFL team. I, maybe if he was more into it, then I guess I would be, but we live in Southern Illinois and St. Louis is our nearest city. So we don't have a team. We used to have the St. Louis Rams for a while and we would cheer them on, but now they're back in LA. I guess the next closest team would be the Tennessee Titans. We've ne- I couldn't tell you one player on that team. The Chicago Bears couldn't tell you one person on that team. You know, that that's all like just far enough away from us that we're not into it. So, with that being said, considering I don't watch the NFL, I loved quarterback. I could not believe it. First of all, it made me fall I loved I loved Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins. Like they were so fun to watch and in different ways and their styles are so different, but I would honestly watch an NFL game if I knew one of those teams were on, just at least I would pay attention to it to see how they're doing. So I thought, man, this was such a smart move by the NFL to do this. And I hope they keep doing it and follow different players. I I found it fascinating. So that's another one, quarterback. Now this next one, I thought there is no way I'm going to like this. And by gosh, we keep watching it. And it's Formula One, Drive to Survive. Now, this has many seasons. I think there's five seasons out so far. This started in 2018 following Formula One drivers. Okay, let me stop right there. If your eyes are starting to glaze over and you're not a race car driving fan, I am right there with you. So this would be a sport I even know less about than the NFL would be Formula One. I don't follow NASCAR. The Indianapolis 500 means nothing to me. Like I don't know anybody that drives. I don't follow it. It. I always thought, what? How, this couldn't be any more boring. Formula One is really good. So my oldest son kept telling us about it and how good he, how good it was for several years. And so we finally started watching it because another couple was telling us that they got into it. And I'm like, okay, well, if she got into it, I'm sure I can. And lo and behold, now we're on season four, I think. 
and we really like it. It's a slow burner, you know, where in the first season, I'm just trying to learn about the teams and how Formula One works. And I knew nothing about how many um, races they have and all the different locations and how each location is different and um, that there's two drivers on each team, but they're, they're teammates, but they're also competitive. There's a lot of politicking going on. It's a lot about money, obviously, because it's a very expensive sport. It is pretty fascinating. And the more seasons go on and on, and you know the, the I don't want to say players, but you know the drivers and you know the, I don't know what they call a team manager. <laughs> but anyway, you know all the players involved and drivers are changing teams and it's really interesting. So I have enjoyed it very, very much. So that's Formula One, Drive to Survive. The next one, actually, my husband has not watched, but I know if he did, he would like it. It's called Breakpoint and this is for the tennis fans out there. If you are a tennis fan, you've got to watch Breakpoint. It follows these professional tennis players. I believe it's like two seasons ago. I I think it's, I can't remember the year, but very enjoyable. Talk about a bunch of head cases. I mean, this sport will bring these players to their knees. Oh my word. But very, very interesting people. And again, I think it's just kind of cool because it's bringing more people like me who don't really know. I mean, I know the Serena Williams. I know um, Novak uh, Jokovic. I know those kind of people, but I don't know anybody else. And so now that it's kind of a changing of the guards. So it's cool to see these young players come up through the ranks Definitely when the U.S. Open was on recently, I was a little more in tune to it because I watched Breakpoint. So highly recommend that. And then there is for the golf fans out there, Full Swing is the docu-series that follows the PGA players. This one I liked more even than Breakpoint because I know about golf. I know the professional golfers. This is just something that you know, I don't watch every golf match, but I definitely know who all of the players are. So found that to be really interesting. And I hope they keep, you know, continue to follow these players because I'm a, I'm a sucker for the behind the scenes of these professional athletes. And I think that's what I love so much about it. And then obviously, you know, my husband, well, you may not know this, but he's a golfer. Yes, yeah, so we both enjoyed golf or it's called Full Swing. And then there's another basketball one that's called The Last Dance, and this one follows the Chicago Bulls. That's a great one, too. So if you have any, you know, 90s basketball fans when the Chicago Bulls were just on fire, like, that's a great one to watch. Michael Jordan, phenomenal. So really enjoyed that one as well. So those were my sports ones. I'm going to list those one more time for you. The Redeem Team and The Last Dance, those kind of go hand in hand. And then you have quarterback, you have Formula One, drive to survive, breakpoint, that's the tennis, and then golf, you've got full swing. So I'm just telling you as a female that doesn't know a ton about these sports, (laughs) I don't watch the, you know, um, NBA, I don't watch racing, I don't watch professional football, I really don't watch tennis or, you know, I watch golf a little bit. I was really invested in all of those. So those are really fun ones for you and your spouse, I believe, to watch together. Okay, here's one that I haven't seen, but this is, actually there's the next two I have not seen, but are big on our list to watch after we're finished with Formula One. These are recommended by my oldest son also. And I think we have very similar tastes and this is, I know I'm gonna enjoy these. And it's called Spy Ops and predators. So Spy Ops follows the CIA in different scenarios um, that they have been in. And he w- my son was telling me about it, and it sounds really fascinating. And there's one about how the CIA was the first ones, even before, before any special forces were there in Afghanistan. And he just said it is really fascinating to see the, and hear about it's mostly hearing about. He said it's not a ton of action that you're seeing, but just hearing the stories from these, you know, operatives that were over there. So very, very interesting. That's called Spy Ops. And then the other one's called Predators. And he goes, I know it sounds crazy, but it was so good. So it's like 
National Geographic, but way better, where they're following these animals for maybe even a couple of years. He said there's this one with these cheetahs and they have they had named the cheetahs and were they cheetahs? I think they were. But basically like these two big cats that they follow, they're like best buds and they hunt together and they hang out together. And it's he said it's so fascinating how they work together to hunt. So and he then he said it just kind of follows all these different animals in each episode. So that's one that we're definitely going to check out as well. Now, another one that is just completely trending on Netflix is Suits. Suits is not a documentary or a docuseries. This is one that is actually a fictional show that my husband and I, we actually did watch this one when it first came out. So we haven't been watching the, you know, the replays on Netflix, but look, replays like I'm in sports mode now, but we're not watching all of these reruns. We've already seen it. I'm telling you, your husband will love this show. Remember when I said earlier that my husband doesn't really get into many television shows? Suits, he was obsessed with. He loved it. And I'm thinking this was before the pandemic when he was watching this. Yeah, so he loved it. Your husband will love it. The main character, Harvey, um, I think Randy had such a man crush on him. Every guy I know has a man crush on him. But it's a great show. Dialogue is so fast. The premise of it is great. They're all attorneys. I don't want to give anything away, but it's really, really good. There's several episodes. That would be a really fun one for the two of you to watch together. And then I'm going to give you one one more documentary that we watched that I just saw has a second season coming out. And this one is The Murdoch Murders. Crazy story about Alex Murdoch in South Carolina. He was accused and has since been convicted of murdering his wife and son. But before that even happened, there was the craziest stuff that that family was involved with, including that son that was murdered. Definitely watch that. So season one, I think it's like three episodes. And then now season two is out and that has three episodes. And so season two is following the actual um, murder trial of the father, the one that was accused and then convicted. That's all been in the news. So I'm not like spoiling anything for, I don't think for anybody, but it's very fascinating and obviously disturbing. It, it was well done. So those are my shows to watch on Netflix. And then just because I that last one ended with a, you know, a little bit of a dark one, let me give you one more now that I think about it. That's I have watched three times at least, three times. This is a comedy um, show and it is Leanne Morgan, I'm Every Woman. Leanne Morgan is a 57, I think, year old comedian from Knoxville, Tennessee, and she is the funniest comedian I have ever heard. I have seen her live now. I've watched this documentary. I have watched every YouTube video. I have listened to every podcast with her on it, and I cry laughing. If you have not watched Leanne Morgan or seen her on social media, you are in for such a treat. I'm honestly jealous because I would love to watch this for the first time again. Um, (laughs) Your husband will also like this. Okay, so the first time I watched it was by myself. I was down in Florida last year, and I don't even know how I got on it, but I thought, oh, this will be fun to watch. I laughed so hard. I had to get up, go get tissue out of the bathroom and wipe my face. I was, tears were streaming down my face. I was laughing so hard. So then I was told my husband, I said, you have to watch this. So he watched it. He thought it was funny. I told my sister-in-law about it. And then she watched it. She cried laughing. She made her husband watch it, which is my husband's brother. He thought it was so funny. I've made my kids watch it. My boys have all laughed. They thought it was funny. So I'm telling you, this is, it's not just menopausal women that will think it's funny, but it's the most relatable content for if you're over 45. Okay, so you have to watch Leanne Morgan. That's probably number one on my list. You will howl and cackle your head off and your spouse will also crack up. So 
Those are the best. They're all on Netflix. And um, hopefully that will be something fun, you know, for you and your spouse to do together. We usually watch like, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half at the most in the evenings and then go to bed. So it's kind of fun. Something that we've really never done before, which is, I know, kind of weird, but we just never have. And when you're an empty nester and you're finding things to do, I mean, obviously, you know, we play pickleball. We like that. When you're just like at home and you want to wind down, those are some really good ones. Side note also, I cannot stand watching like really scary movies or scary TV shows. Um, I know I can handle like a Game of Thrones because it just... You're like, that's never going to happen. It doesn't seem real. Things that are like a real life scenario where someone's getting murdered or hurt or children suffering, I, I can't handle. Really, really suspenseful things. I end up walking around my house and stressed out or I lay in bed thinking about it. So I don't like to watch too many things that are that stressful. <laughs> All right. So those are the things that I'm recommending on Netflix. And let me know if you watch any of them. I would love some feedback on this. And if you would like any more suggestions, yeah, I'd be happy to do it. Well, speaking of being empty nesters, my kids are testing us on this. <laughs> so basically my boys have been traveling overseas lately and my daughter is getting ready for studying abroad second semester. So talk about having to let go. Whew, oh my goodness. Okay. If you thought just my daughter being eight hours away was hard, I, yeah, like how am I going to handle this when she is across the ocean? She's going to be studying abroad in Italy. That'll be a tough one for all of us. But my boys just went, um, well, one of them just getting back today from a trip to London and Munich. He and his college buddies uh, went to go visit. One of their fraternity brothers actually moved to London. And so they all visited him and had a great time in London. He's a huge, my son's a huge soccer fan and they got to go to a game and they went and traveled or toured the Chelsea stadium He's, that's like his favorite team. So he was so pumped about that. And they saw a different game and he loved that. Then they went over, they all went over to Munich, Germany for Oktoberfest. And he said that was like the most wild time of his life. So if this kid is telling me that, then I know like, whoa, that it was a party and a half. So he is getting back today from that. Thank goodness. And then my other son is going to Ireland for a golf trip with a bunch of guys and they are so excited. Basically, they're going to fly to Ireland and then travel around to all these different golf courses all over the country. They are renting a van that is a manual transition or transition, manual transmission. Only one of them knows how to drive a stick. So that poor guy is going to be driving a lot <laughs> for the next week. And they booked it all through a travel agent, a guy that does all of this and gets all their tea times and everything. So they're so excited, but you just, you know, can't help but be nervous thinking about them driving all over a foreign country. I'm sure he'll be fine. He's very responsible. And this is my son that's so independent that I tell him all the time, like, I need a proof of life text, please. Let me know you're still breathing. He has promised me that he'll stay in contact and that he'll send me pictures. So whew, hopefully he does. And then, like I said, my daughter is going to be studying abroad in Italy. And she is taking like a prep class for it first semester, which I think is such a great idea that the university has them do that. They're living on, it's a university uh, property. It's like an old castle they've converted into a dorm, I think, situation. But yeah, that'll be January through April. We are going to go try to visit her over there, but it'll be towards the end of her trip. Just wild to think that I have kids that are old enough to be doing this. And, you know, you teach them to spread their wings and you want them to, but then when they actually go and do it, you're like, oh, <laughs> why do you need to be so adventurous and independent? I saw a meme recently. It was a quote that I thought was really sweet, reminded me about the stage of life that I'm in. And it said, a bird is safe in its nest, but that is not what wings are made for. And I'm like, okay, you're right. This is good. That's exactly what they need to be doing. And they are for sure spreading their wings, which is fantastic. Their experiences, I have to say, at the age that they are is beyond 
what I ever thought for myself. And so I love that as a parent. In my 20s, I had three, I got married and had three kids. (laughs) I had my kids at 23, 25, and 29. So that's what I was doing. I was living in my small town and giving birth. Now we've been blessed and able to travel through the years and I'm so grateful for that. But I love that this is something that the kids are doing before they get attached or they get married and they have children of their own. It's just kind of a cool thing to watch them do and experience the world. And I love that they're not afraid to go do it. Okay, so moving on to a different topic, I wanted to give you an update on my back and knee situation. It's getting better and I'm honestly really happy because I thought it would be a much longer process. And I think this just goes to show how much better educated that I am. And not only me, but my uh, healthcare provider, my chiropractor, physical therapist, and, and just the strategies that he is using, I think are so much better than they were when I had back issues seven, eight years ago. Okay. So we did the dry needling on my Uh, the back of my knee. And we did it another week or so later on my low back. It's the area that's right next to my spine, lower left side. I just am going to say the dry needling itself doesn't hurt. It's uncomfortable when it finds that muscle that's, it kind of makes like a spasm. But I was so sore the rest of that day, like so sore. But it definitely helped and I definitely felt better, but I have been doing a lot of exercises on my own that are really helping me. And then I've been avoiding certain positions. So I thought I would go over those with you. Now I know you can't see me doing this, but I still think this is good education for you. First and foremost, you really need to think about your posture when you're not exercising. Think about it throughout your routine like your daily routines and when you're sleeping at night. So I have changed my positioning. I don't, I'm trying not to sleep on my stomach anymore. I'm trying to sleep on my side with a pillow between my knees or on my back. I've took me a few days to get used to that. I'm definitely getting better. You know, I track my sleep and I can tell by my sleep scores how I'm doing and it's working for sure that I'm getting used to the new positions. So I'm happy about that. And then my position, even as I'm just sitting here talking to you, I'm making sure that my hips are underneath my shoulders. So I'm not slouching in my chair where my hips are out forward of where my shoulders are, because that's how most of us sit. We get comfortable and we lean back and then the hips are forward of the shoulders. So push your tailbone, your butt back to the towards the back of the seat a little bit. So you're sitting more upright And that is going to help so much and just make that a habit. A lot of times too, when we're sitting, we kind of lean over to one side or another. Try not to do that either. So a lot of these positions, even when you're in your car, a lot of those seats in the car might have your hips out forward. So you want to be sitting taller in your seat. And it might even just be having like a little pillow behind your low back to just give you a little extra support there and help that position you know, make it happen without even having to think about it. Okay. So that's two things I've done or I've been incorporating. And then a lot of different exercises to really strengthen my left glute. And I'm doing it on both legs, but particularly what I'm noticing is that left foot or that left leg, that left glute is a little weaker than the right, which could be the deal and why that low back is, is sore. Okay. So I'm doing things like really slow step ups with a lot of control. So planting my foot on a bench or a box, you know, sturdy box that you can stand on. And I leave my foot on there, driving out of the middle of my foot and standing up and coming back down with my right foot on the floor. So my left foot, because that's the side that's hurting, my left foot is on the box. My right foot, I'm not pushing off of that foot on the floor. I'm pushing off of my left foot, which is on the bench or the box, okay? So doing that and um, really working on stability there. And then I am doing a lot of like bird dogs where you're on your hands and knees and lift one leg. So if I would lift my left leg in the air, then I would reach out straight with my right arm and hold that position. And I'm also doing things like supermans where my I'm laying on my stomach. I've got my arms overhead. Uh, my thumbs are up and my hands are shoulder distance apart. 
and then I have my legs behind me and my heels, my inner soles are together. So my feet are touching and I squeeze my butt and I lift my arms and my legs up off the floor. It doesn't seem like in your mind you're thinking, well, that can't be that hard, but it's actually quite hard. So really squeezing my glutes and doing that. And then I'm getting into extension positions where uh, it's kind of, I think I've talked about this before, where it's it's like you're in an up dog, but my my belly button is still on the floor. At least that's the goal. So I get into a position where my forearms are down, my stomach is on the floor, and then I press up so that you know my hands are out forward and I lock out my elbows. I'm in that type of up dog position, but with my belly on the floor and I'm totally relaxing my glutes. This pose is really hard for me, but I'm completely relaxing my glutes. That's a difficult one. So doing these are the types of moves that I've been doing. I might try to do like an Instagram video about this so that you can see what I'm talking about. And then also I have a foam roller that I put behind my mid to upper back and I lay on my back, you know, feet on the floor, knees are in the air, and I lean back over it to really open up and get into extension. Oh my gosh. That was killing me when I first did this. And now it's like, I just almost crave doing it. I want to do it because it just feels so good. That's something I'm trying to, all of this stuff I'm trying to do every day right now, but for sure that opening up laying over um, that foam roller feels so good. So this is the kind of stuff I'm doing. It's a just rehab work that I'm incorporating. And then for my knee, the back of my knee is still getting a little, a little bit of pain, a lot of tightness through the back of that, my left leg. And I'm just trying not to have my knee bent so much. So even when I'm sitting here, I'll kind of extend that leg out, flex my foot. I'm doing a lot of a deadlift pattern, just with like a really straight leg one though, like an exaggerated straight leg deadlift. Very like I'm not using a bunch of weights, but just stretching out the back of my legs there, the back of that knee, and that feels really good as well. So that's all the stuff I've been doing. Super happy. Gonna go back to see my chiropractor in a couple of weeks and just do a little check-in. But honestly, feel like I can hand I can do this on my own. So very happy about it. One thing I'm doing when I'm playing pickleball is that I am not, when I'm bending over to pick up the ball, I'm squatting more and not just bending at the waist to pick them up. So if you have any back issues there, that might be another kind of compromising position that you're do, repeatedly doing. And just in general, trying to make sure I'm maintaining good form throughout everything I do. And then when I finish playing pickleball, I'm doing that static stretching where you're holding the stretch. Like I'm holding um, a quad stretch or I'm stretching my calves and I'm holding that stretch. Whereas when I, at the beginning of my pickleball session, I do active stretching, you know, I'm doing a lot of mobility work. I'm doing leg swings, squats and lunges, side lunges, reverse lunges, just doing a lot of movement patterns so that my body can warm up, but then save those stretches where you hold the stretch. That's called a static stretch. Save that for the end of your pickleball session. So speaking of pickleball, um, after the break, I'm going to come back and talk all about playing on private courts, people's homes. It's pretty fun. Friends, I want you to trust the science and not diets. Your dieting days are over because my next round of The Faster Way is open for registration. At The Faster Way, my clients combine science-backed nutrition with guided 30-minute workouts. You'll get training by yours truly and whole food-based meal plans. You're going to enjoy having all the options and more. By incorporating sustainable strategies that promote long-term success instead of those quick fixes, you reap the rewards in the form of disease and illness prevention, increased energy levels, and improved longevity, and out of this world fat loss, of course. Diets simply cannot do all of that. If you're ready to join or you just want to learn more about my six-week introductory program, then click on the link in today's show notes to get you started. Okay, we're back and let's talk pickleball. So recently I went down and visited family in Houston, Texas. It's actually a suburb just south of Houston and they have their own pickleball court. So you can imagine 
how much fun we had. I went down there for a faster way event. We had a faster way leg day event and then a coach, kind of a mini coach conference. And then we stayed at my cousin's house and their pickleball court. Well, it's a brand new home, stunning, absolutely beautiful. If you follow me on Instagram, you might've seen the photos that I shared of her house. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Outside, they put in a fabulous pool and a pickleball court. So I want to talk about that because I, first of all, am pea green with envy. They did this court so well. I mean, it had a fence around it. It The net is, it's a permanent net. Perfect. They've got basketball hoops, by the way, on both sides. So they have two kids. If their kids want to, you know, shoot hoops or whatever, they can still do that. They could take the net down and make it like a full court, you know, full basketball court. It has wonderful lighting. So it has LED lighting that we played one night until midnight. Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. And um, there were several of us playing. So we were just kind of going in and out from the games. The surface is concrete. It's painted perfectly. It is two-toned, um, maybe even three-toned. I'll have to think about this. Um, yeah, it's three-toned. Like The surrounding part around the court was a green color, and then the non-volley zone, the kitchen, was a bright blue, kind of a royal blue, and then the rest of the pickleball court was more of a navy blue, and then, of course, it was striped in white. Oh, so nice. So nice. And then I also recently played another friend of mine in Southern Illinois. She has a tennis court that she has converted part of it into a pickleball court. So on one side of that tennis net, it's the perfect size to have a pickleball court. She has a temporary pickleball net that she's rolled out there it's very high quality net. And then she had the lines painted on for the pickleball court. Went over there and played and we've got plans to do that again. So fun. And what I really like about hers too is she has this section right next to the tennis pickleball court. She has a covered area that has chairs and table and like a little mini fridge. So you can sit in the shade and it has a fan in there. It's Very, very nice. Then another example. Now, I haven't been to this one yet, but maybe I'll get there uh, before I head down to Florida this winter. My friend's dad, who I've played pickleball with him several times in Southern Illinois, he has a big pole barn that he put an indoor court in the pole barn, which I thought that was an amazing idea. It has high ceilings, concrete floor. He's painted it up right. And I've heard wonderful things about it. I've seen pictures. It looks great. So very cool options. If you're somebody that is obsessed like I am and you've got the time and the money to put into this, these are some neat things. So I was just kind of looking up, like, what does it take? What are things to consider with a pickleball court? Obviously, money is going to be a big one if you're starting from scratch, You know, you're doing everything from concrete, lighting, fencing, all of that. Now, I've heard some people say they don't think you need fencing if you're in a grassy area. I guess I'm just lazy and I think, no, I definitely want a fence because, you know, when that ball goes out of bounds, I don't want to be chasing it down in the grass. So I think a fence is is necessary. I also think you need more concrete than you realize so that you can have some seating uh, around the court where it's not going to um, get in the player's way uh, as well. And so here's some things that when I was reading online, just some considerations. So obviously you got to check your local regulations. If you're in a small in a neighborhood and you're close to the, your neighbor's homes, this could obviously create some problems with the sound. And so you definitely need to check that out if either in your homeowner's association or with your city uh, ordinances or whatever. But my cousin, uh, when I went to her house, she's on a three acre lot. And so that's not like they're right on top of their neighbors and their neighbors have young kids. Their neighbors are actually putting some type of a turf, maybe a little baseball diamond in the back part of their property. So they're all very much outdoorsy kind of people, want to play sports with their kids. So everyone seems pretty cool in the gang when it comes to their pickleball court. Uh, My friend that has the outdoor court in Southern Illinois, she lives on several acres as well. So there's no neighbors to complain around her about the noise. And then obviously the indoor one, he's not going to have any issues there as well. But 
selecting a location I think is really important and which direction that that court faces. You know, for me in particular, if my husband and I have the space, we don't have neighbors around us. We live on, you know, many, many acres. So I, if I did it, I I wouldn't face it east and west because when that sun is setting, I wouldn't want one court to be looking straight into the sun. So that's a consideration, I think. Obviously, the topography is very important as well. The ideal dimensions for a single pickleball court are 20 by 44 feet, but you can adjust that to fit your size, you know, fit your space. Materials and design, you know, they're typically made up of concrete or asphalt. There are options for sports tiles. We used to have a uh, sport court when we lived in a subdivision. We had a sport court that was back in, we put that in in 2005 or six. I think. Anyway, it was sometime around then and we didn't play pickleball back then. I don't know that that sport court with the plastic tiles over the concrete would have worked so much. I feel like it had been kind of a slick surface. The ball might have bounced a little more funky, but it was an awesome court for my kids to play basketball on. It you could, We had a volleyball net up there sometimes. We had a rebounder on one wall so the kids could like pitch practice pitching into it. That was awesome. So in general, I just think having a place for your kids to play those sports is, is really fun. But let's see here. What else? You're going to need to... So the surface for me, I think concrete would work best you know, it's obviously going to be very expensive. You need the net and the post. You could put, they sell online everywhere, the temporary nets. People are even putting those just in their driveway just to practice hitting back and forth with their family. And that's a cool idea. If you can't put in a total court, you know, pickleball court, you could just get a temporary net, get some paddles and some balls. If you have a big enough driveway and it's flat, right? You could um, do that. Or if you have a really friendly street, you could put that pickleball net out on your cul-de-sac, you know, some evening and get a bunch of kids out in the neighborhood or grandkids or even just adult friends and just play and hit it around. That would be great. The net height for pickleball is typically 36 inches at the sidelines and 34 inches at the center. So, you know, at the sidelines, it is a little bit higher than it is at the center. I think for where I live in the Midwest, the biggest concern is going to be the cracking um, in a concrete court. It's going to require very careful planning. And I think working with some professionals that really know what they're doing there, you know, the weather is an issue and that freezing temperatures in the winter and then the extreme heat in the summer is is definitely going to play into wear and tear and the cracking. But, you know, start with high quality concrete mix with the right proportions of cement, aggregate, and water. Let the professionals do it and ensure that it is a good concrete mix that's free from contaminants that could weaken it. You get that proper installation. Use these experienced contractors. Pay the money to make sure that they're skilled in the pouring and the finishing of concrete surfaces. Adequately compact the sub the sub base and you want to prepare it with the proper drainage to prevent water from seeping underneath the concrete. That's a big one. So there's a lot of prep work that would be involved there. So reinforcement is a big consideration. In the Midwest, we're going to get extreme weather. We're going to get extreme cold and extreme heat. And that is going to definitely uh, mess with the concrete. And it will, even my cousins in Houston, they reinforced their concrete with, I believe it was steel reinforcements in the concrete, but you could also do a fiber mesh. And that reinforcement is just going to help distribute stresses more evenly. And it's just going to reduce the likelihood of cracks. And then it's also going to help, even if it does crack, that the cracks aren't going to spread so much. So that's for sure something to consider. You know, avoiding rapid temperature changes, thats a lot of that is out of our control. I mean, you could consider ins- installing a shade structure. It's going to add a lot of cost <laughs> to it, but or wind breaks in your fencing to reduce the temperature fluctuations. But just regular maintenance to inspect the court for cracks, especially after the extreme weather. And then promptly repairing cracks that do develop. So small cracks can oftentimes just be filled with epoxy or other appropriate sealants to prevent them from getting worse. Drainage is huge. Talked about that already, but you really want to make sure that you're not having water pool on the surface during rain. You might want to consider some protectant uh, coatings, keep it clean, 
you know, avoid heavy loads and impact on the surface itself. So a lot of things to consider there with the court itself. And as far as lighting goes, like I said, my cousin had amazing lighting. My friend in Southern Illinois that has the outside court, she just installed new lighting. She took out the old tennis court lighting and put in brand new LED lighting. And that's what my cousin has. Highly recommend it. That's very, you know, energy efficient, excellent illumination, long lifespan. Um, You could even get it where it can be dimmed or adjusted as needed. So it's just a better quality of light with minimal glare compared to traditional lighting technologies, right? Um, so yeah, that was fantastic. And if, you, if you're thinking about the cost, I would say put the lighting in if your neighborhood allows it because, or wherever you live. Because here's the thing, if you, especially if you're still working, you come home in the evenings and maybe certain times of the year, sure, you can play until eight o'clock at night. But the other half of the year, you can't. And the sun's going down at 5 p.m., especially if you live in the south. The weather's warm enough to play in the evenings, but you can't because it's too dark. So you're already putting all that money into that investment. To me, I think bite the bullet and just put in the lighting if possible. Okay. That's my two cents. Talked about that with my cousin as well. And they were like, yeah, that was a no brainer. And they're so glad that they did. Obviously, if you're putting lighting in, you got to consider your neighbors and making sure that you're not going to have that light spillage and glare uh, on their property. I talked about the color surface. I loved what, like I said, what my cousin did. I think it's really important to have two different colors for the non-volley zone and the rest of the pickleball court. Just visually, the, the striping is always white. Typically, blues and greens are the colors that you're going to see most of the time. It Just everything kind of pops, blends in. But, you know, if you have like a favorite team or you've got a certain color that you like, whatever, you know, do whatever you like, whatever works. And again, making sure that you're following in your, if you have an HOA, (laughs) that you're making sure you're following all of the rules there. But aesthetically, I think greens and blues work the best. Cost is just really runs the gamut. It could be anywhere from 20,000 all the way up to 75,000 in my opinion, depending on what type of surface and what type of fencing, what type of lighting and all of that. So, you know, if you are handy and you can do some of the installation yourself, like with the fencing and the net and all of that, great. My husband and I, we would have to hire every bit of this out. And my thing is, you know, I'm only here half, a little more than half of the year now. We have the space to do it. It's definitely something in the back of our minds, but it is a lot of money. So I don't know. I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are. Plus, I like going out to the courts and having different people to play with and just showing up and it's stress-free. You just show up out there and you meet a lot of people that way. You just show up and play with whoever's out there. There's always a game to be had. So having my own court, I don't know. I, I, I definitely see the pros and cons, but after going and visiting my cousin, it definitely made us want to get one. I can say that for sure. What great exercise. I would probably, I would be so sore from playing so much, I think. I have been continuing my lessons with Miss Judy. Those are going great. We have been working on going from the baseline, working my my way up to the non-volley zone, up to the kitchen. That's something in games I, I can struggle with. My tendency is to, when I return a serve or just return the ball, I try to return deep and then just haul ass up to the kitchen line as fast as I can. The better players, though, that I play against, the harder that is for me to beat the ball up there. So a lot of times I get caught in running and the ball's coming to me and and I'm moving forward or uh, the ball gets past me. So it's just really being smart on paying attention to where I have hit the ball. If my opponent is leaning, I've caught them in a position that is getting them off balance. Well, then that's my time to move. But if it's a shot that's, you know, I popped it up, If it's a shot that they're going to, you know, rip right back at me, I need to hold my ground. So it's just paying more attention, being smarter, and it's a lot of um, work on that. That's what we've been doing. I will say this. I do think what I've gotten so much better at is those pickup shots. Do you know what I mean? When the ball lands really close to your feet and, and being able to pick those balls up like it bounces close to your body and where before I 
I wouldn't be able to get it. I'm able to kind of just do a lot of those pickup shots. It's the only way I know how to say that. And what else if I feel like I'm getting better at? My dinking has for sure improved. My lateral movements have gotten a lot better. And this is so funny. You know how when you dive out of bounds or you dive to one side to go chase the ball down and you you go out of bounds to do it? That to me now is the easy part. The hard part for me is to get my body back into the court and ready for the next play. (laughs) I've been laughing about that. I guess I never really thought about it, but I'm always good to get the shot. But if they hit it back at me, this next shot, I'm never prepared for that next one. So now it's that I'm quick getting out to get the shot, but to stay just as fast to get back into it and not watch where my ball is going and uh, yeah, just but quickly go out and then get back in. Those are the things that I feel like that's one thing I need to work on. But yeah, definitely getting better at dinking, lateral movement so much better, um, making more solid contact with the ball. Still need to work on not hitting it out of bounds deep. That is so annoying when I do that. You know, you do a couple of those in a game. I mean, that's, that's just free points for the other team. So I need to work on that. And in other exciting news, I'm getting a new paddle. So I have been playing with a Selkirk and I'm now switching to a carbon paddle. This is, I had on the podcast, I don't know how many months ago that was, but I had Ashley Reeves. She is a wonderful pickleball player, probably the best I've ever played against. Well, I'm sure she is the best I've ever played against. And she is sponsored by carbon. She and her mom, Carol, have been playing with carbon paddles all summer. And so we've all been able to try them out, the different ones and I have to say, it's a darn good paddle. It really is. What I'm noticing is I just feel more comfortable with it. I'm really, it's more forgiving than my Selkirk paddle. I'm hitting the ball more solid. Um, it still has a lot of power, and I, but I feel like I can drop the ball better with this paddle still having the power. I just feel more confident with it, I think. So I've got that on order. I've been borrowing um, Carol's extra carbon paddle. She's been gracious enough to let me do that. Then that's the other fun thing about going out to open play. Everyone's got different paddles. Everyone is so willing to go, oh yeah, you want to play a game with mine just to get the feel and see what that's like. So that's been cool. One thing I do notice though is that my hand, I guess the way I hold this carbon paddle is a little bit different. My thumb is sore. So I'm going to figure out the next time I go out there, am I squeezing this paddle too hard? Like what have I done that is irritating my thumb? Or is it the handle's a little bit thicker? I don't know. There's always some new ache or pain, isn't there? Well, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful fall weather and that you get out to the pickleball courts again real soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give my show a follow. Also, so that more people can find Pep Talk and Pickleball, if you could leave a rating and a review, I would be so grateful. If you would like some more behind the scenes with me, follow me over on TikTok at Jill Lewis Living or on Instagram at Jill B. Lewis.